Well, I, I believe, you know, what you call something is really important. This year, we've called this uh, 2019 a year of wide open doors. I don't know if you've experienced wide open doors. If you haven't so far, we've got one month left. But we've had so many testimonies of doors swinging wide open and uh, so much favor, so much blessings occurred, people getting jobs. But as a church, you know, there's been open doors even into other nations. One of the things we titled was Shout and we called it Into All the World. And I love just over the last month, we've literally been in six to seven different nations with missions teams in India. We just sent a team there into the Philippines. We had Bruce and Helen, they're in Ghana. Kathy and I were in Brazil. We've had people all over the place. Ben and Esther were in the United States. And uh, yeah, a whole lot of, of things happening. And as a church, we are, are changing the world. Because how many know that's on the heart of God? His heart is to change the world. And uh, I love the fact that we get to do it together with an awesome group of people. And, uh, you know, just, just right around the, the world, Equipage churches are growing. They're having an impact. And uh, we're part of an unstoppable movement in Jesus' name. Come on, unstoppable. And it's just the beginning of what God wants to release. It's just the start of what God wants to do. And uh, it's important when it comes to the end of a season, we thank God before we enter the next season. In fact, I was speaking this morning and we're saying thankfulness is giving God thanks for what He's done. Praise is thanking God for who He is. And worship is about drawing close and having intimacy with God. In fact, another word, if you unpack that word worship, it really means the kiss of God or, you know, it's an exchange of intimacy. And that's what God wants to bring people into, a place where they know the heart of God, that they know God's love, that they know God's plan, you know, where they can know without a shadow of doubt that they've heard God speak to them. Uh, so, so that when situations and circumstances come up against them, you know, they can stand strong. They can stand firm in Jesus' name. And that's why I love the instruction Paul gave to the church in Thessalonica, in First Thessalonians, where it says, hey, what I want you to do is I want you to rejoice always. Come on, somebody say that. Rejoice always. I want you to pray without ceasing. And I want you to give thanks in everything. Uh, that's some good things to remember. Because you know, how many know there's no, no bounds on that? You know, it's, it's rejoice always. Not, not just for a couple of days. Not just on Sunday. Always. Pray without ceasing. Uh, you know, it's not like, well, when do we get to stop? No, we don't stop. Well, I prayed, and, uh, I prayed and fast for 21 days. Well, you may not fast ongoing, but we've got to keep on praying. Come on, we've got to keep on praying. And, and it says, and in everything, not just in some things, in everything, give thanks for that's the will of God in Christ Jesus. For, for who? It's for you. If you want to know the will of God for your life, those three things. You know, if you do those three, 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 well, I'll get that out. Three things, you'll find yourself in a place where you're living out God's purpose for your life. And uh, yeah, I just feel it's important. You know, coming into the end of the year, we we look at our declaration. We we look at what's coming out of our mouth. Because what's in our mouth has the ability to determine our destiny. So if you got your Bible tonight, let's go to Ezekiel 37. Ezekiel 37. 
And I, I love this book. If we read verse uh, chapter 36, we'll see it's about the promise of God, of what God's going to do. He's going to restore cities. He's going to rebuild things. There's going to be favor. There's going to be multiplication. There's going to be increase. How many know when it comes to God's plan, He's got something good ahead? Come on, the best is yet to come in Jesus' name. And, and, and Ezekiel 36 is, is, is a chapter full of promise. But then we get to verse 37, and verse 37 looks nothing like uh, uh, chapter 37, should I say? And chapter 37 looks nothing like chapter 36. Now, let, let's read from, from verse 1 in chapter 37. It says, The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord. Now, here's the deal you want the hand of the Lord on you. And when the hand of the Lord is on you, he will take you to where he wants you to go. Maybe not necessarily what, where you want to go. Come on, we want the hand of the Lord directing us. It says, the hand of the Lord was on me and he brought me out. He brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. That's a strange thing, in a valley. You know, verse, chapter 36 was all about the promise. And then where does God take him? He takes him to a, to a valley. You know, when it comes to vision, if you want vision, you've got to go to the valley. If you want sight, you go to the mountaintop. But, but if you want vision, come on, how many want vision coming into 2020? 2020 vision in Jesus' name. Come on, if you're going to have 2020 vision, it comes from being positioned in, in a valley. See, vision happens in the valley because it's there you can see beyond what you see. See, see, many people just live out what's in front of them, but the power of vision is being able to see beyond what you can see with your natural eyes. And that's why, you know, on the mountaintop, you know, we can see we have sight, but we may not have vision. In fact, many people on the mountaintop get distracted by all the other things that are around them. You can get distracted, but I believe God wants to bring a focus and clarity to people's lives. And clarity sometimes happens more in the valley than it does on the mountaintop. See, on the mountaintop, you can get distracted. And, and some of us need to get in a valley where we can see what only God can do. He says, you know, He took him into the valley. It was full of bones. And He led me back and forth among them. And I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. And He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. I, I really believe God is asking us right now, is, is can these dead bones live? You know, I, I like uh, Ezekiel's response. Oh, I, only you know God. Uh, he doesn't dismiss it, but he just says, oh God, your thoughts on this are better than my thoughts. Uh, yeah, and the question is not about the bones. Yeah, when, you, when God asks you a question about your circumstance, don't look at your circumstance for the answer. Come on, I'll say that again. When God asks you a question about your circumstance, don't look to your circumstance for the answer. You know, someone says, can this relationship survive? Well, if God's in it, yes. If you just look at the relationship, maybe not. You know, can this body be healed? 
As a, as a question, well, you know, in, in and of itself, doctors say, no, it's terminal, it's dire, and I'm out. But, but God knows. You know, in fact, this year I've been heal, healed, well, of the second incurable disease I've been diagnosed with. Come on, God's a miracle working God, but, but God does it. God does it. Can this business be productive? Well, God knows. And so often we can look at the business for answers rather than looking to God for answers. Can I, can I finish my studies? Uh, some of us have already finished, but maybe we're on the, the end of it and we're going, oh, I don't know if I'm going to finish. I don't know if I'm going to pass. Well, God knows. And, and the question is, what is your faith in? Is it in what you see or is it in God? And, and this is what he's asking Ezekiel. Can these bones live? And I love Ezekiel's response. Well, only you know God. And then, then, then God said to him, he said, then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath into you and you'll come to life. I will t- attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I'll put breath in you and you will come to life and then you will know that I am the Lord. Uh, Just closing off this year, I I believe our declaration is really important. When it comes to your future, your future is found in your mouth. Your head has seven openings. You have two eyes, two ears, two nostrils, but you only have one mouth. Thank God for that because that one mouth says a lot. And and what comes out of your mouth determines the the course of your life. You know, in fact, in the book of James, he says, listen to this, he says, indeed, we all make many mistakes. Isn't that true? How many have made some mistakes this year? Uh, The rest of you are lying. Uh, We all make many mistakes, but it says, but if we could control our tongues, we'd be perfect. And we could also control ourselves in every other way. Some of us are wanting to control other aspects of our life. Could it be our problem is actually with our mouth? Uh, The problem is actually with our tongue. In fact, you know, James goes on and he talks about that a large horse is guided by a small bit in its mouth. And that small bit in its mouth directs that horse. He talks about how a huge ship is guided by a tiny rudder. It's a small rudder, but it can turn a big ship. And he talks about how a tiny spark can cause a forest fire. You know, the tongue is powerful. He even goes on and says, taming animals is easier than taming your tongue. Now, many people today have some unruly animals. You know, Matt Gregory, his animals are out of control. It's like... You know, next level. Yeah, it's amazing how many people are getting these little handbag dogs these days. Eh? Yeah, my father's just got one as well. It's just like these dogs, you know, they treat them like human beings. Pastor Barrett out south, he pastors our south campus. And, you know, you know, his dog eats exactly the same meal he eats. Yeah, that's just out of control. And uh, at the end of the night, he gives his dog a cup of tea with one sugar. Uh, that's next level. Yeah, how people treat. Yeah, you got the righteous look after animals or not, but but the dogs, the the dogs, and you know, the love that people express to their dogs is just like man. 
It's, it's incredible. But taming a dog is easier than, than taming your tongue. And what you've got to understand is in, in your tongue, life and death is in the power of it. And, and it talks about Proverbs 18, 21 says, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Here's the deal. If you didn't like the taste of your life this year, maybe you've got to look at the words that you're speaking. Yeah, if you don't like what you're tasting, maybe it came from your declaration. It's amazing how many of us talk our way into things and we talk our way out of things. You know, we do it all the time. Well, I'm going to miss. Well, if you approach the shot saying, I'm going to miss, you're going to miss. You know, you're going to miss. But if there's a confidence in your heart that you're going to get it, it's amazing how many times you will get it. You know, some people say, well, it's all right for them. You know, it's all, look at them. They're succeeding because of that. And in a way, we're speaking against our own destiny. Yeah, so, you know, people even go, well, I'm depressed. Other people go, yeah, even right now, some of us are looking tired. You can convince yourself you're tired. You, you can convince yourself that, oh, man, I'm tired. You know, somebody yawns. How many know yawning is contagious? That's why you should never yawn in church. We want a live church in Jesus' name. Oh, some of us are waking up right now. But, but hey, I'm tired. Or, you know, I'm sick. You know, somebody coughs, sneezes, next minute you're checking your head to see if you've got a temperature, you know, and you're going, oh, maybe I need to go home sick as well. It's amazing what comes out of our mouth and what we can talk ourselves into and what we can talk ourselves out of. Oh, I'm never going to meet the right person. I'm, not, I'm never going to meet Mr. Right. You know, it's never going to happen. You know, oh, that's too big. That's too much. You know, we say things, oh, that could never happen. I'm too conservative. I'm too shy. And, and what we're doing is we're, we're, we're speaking. Our words are creating our world. And what we don't realize is we're actually prophesying our future. And we're eating the fruit of our words. You know, I, I like what Libby once said. She said, you've got to say what you heard to see what you've said. I'll say that again. You, you've got to say what you've heard. You got, what have you heard? Yeah, yeah, faith, you know, in the Bible, Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by, by anybody know? It comes by, come on, I need you to respond to that. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So, so where does faith originate? Yeah, it comes by hearing. So you, but, but the nature of faith is you've got to say what you've heard. Faith is not just believing in your heart. Now, faith is a believing heart and a faith-filled mouth. You've got to speak it out for it to come into existence. See, you don't get saved by just believing in your heart. You've got to believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, and you've got to confess with your mouth that God raised Him from the dead. And the Bible says you will be saved. In fact, your heart and your mouth are linked some people say, well, people should know it's in my heart. No, well, if it's not coming out of your mouth, it's not in your heart. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And, and, and power comes when we begin to speak things. You've got to say what you've heard to see what you've said. See, see what you named things is really important. Even your name. 
Biblical names are important because what they speak of is they speak of origin and destiny. They speak of origin and destiny. It's like Isaac. His name means laughter. So whenever you meet Isaac, laugh because that's what it means. And, and it talks about, uh, and he came about because uh, God did a miracle in the winter season of, of Sarah's life. And it was such a crazy proposition that, that, that she laughed about it. The name Moses, Moses actually means drawn out. It spoke of his origin. He was drawn out of the Nile by Pharaoh's daughter, but his call and his destiny was to draw a nation out of slavery. You know, the name Jesus, anybody know what the name Jesus means? The name Jesus is prophetic because it means salvation. And there's no other name under heaven and earth by which man can be saved. So, 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 so names and labels have the power to describe us, but they should never define us. You know, it's amazing how many people, you know, embrace, uh, you know, the, 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 the vocation that they're in. You know, they say I'm an accountant. You know, and accountancy is what you do. It's not who you are. You know, or I'm an engineer. You know, again, that's what you do. It's not who you are. You know, people, people say, well, I'm a student. And when they say I'm a student, really what they're saying is I'm poor. It's, it's amazing how many students take a vow of poverty. It's like, oh, well, it, you know. But, but you've got to understand, before you're a student, you're a son and daughter of the Most High God. You know, study is just what you're doing for a period of time. It's not who you are. It's what you're doing. But how often do we let labels like that define our reality? Come on, we've got to break out of some of the boxes that, that, that the world's put us in. You know, it's so important that we don't let, let our feelings determine our future. You know, or, or other people or our situations name us. When, when it comes to our future and our destiny, it's only God. It, it should be the, uh, we should only let God have the power to speak into it. Now, we're, we're going to look at the Song of Solomon, this dangerous book. Steve this year unpacked it very well. But you've got to be careful where you go to in the Song of Solomon. You know, there's a lot of good pickup lines for those who are single in the Song of Solomon. It's like, oh, your eyes are like doves. Or, or your hair is like a flock of goats. Uh, try that. Maybe you're struggling right now, but that could be the line. Just saying is like, or oh, oh, your teeth are like, like a flock of shorn sheep. Yeah, I don't know how you, you know, shorn sheep and, and teeth. Uh, I, don't, I don't know how they quite relate, but somehow they do in the Song of Solomon. And, you know, it goes on and says, your neck is like the Tower of David. Yeah. But I like this. In, in, in chapter 4, verse 11, listen to this. It says, your lips, my bride, drip honey. Honey and milk are under your tongue, and the fragrance of your garments is like the fragrance of Lebanon. Now, now, Adam's excited by that. <laughs> he's Lebanese, oh, he's Lebanese, that's why. Uh, like Lebanon, oh, there you go, I get you. Like the, like the cedars in Lebanon too, there you go. But, but what the Song of Solomon is, it's a prophetic picture of Christ and his bride and the relationship between the two. Now, now notice the two distinctives under the tongue of the bride. Under her tongue are what? Milk and Honey. Now, now, what's the two distinctives of the promised land? 
It's a land flowing with milk and honey. You know, what this says is that the promise of God is in the mouth of the church. Our promise is in our mouth. Come on, I need to let the redeemed. The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Oh, that's very unconvincing right there. Somebody going, oh, really? Is he going to get me to open my mouth? Yes! Because nothing of the kingdom of God gets released until you open your mouth. You can't just wish something into being. You've got to speak it into being in Jesus' name. And the promise of God, you know, the devil's been good at shutting the mouth of, of, of the church. In fact, just as I came in this evening, uh, we had, where's Josh? He was singing a well-known New Zealand song. Where's Josh? Josh, Josh, where are you? Josh, sing that song that you're singing. Do it again, do it again. There you go. Oh, man, that's some of the loudest singing I've heard from some of you tonight. It's, like, it's amazing how we can get into the environment of the world and, you know, well, ah, and then we get to church and we get all serious and quiet. I'm going like, you know, it's like the devil's been good at shutting the mouth of Christians. Because he knows the power. There's power in the tongue. And, and if we could just open our mouth, we could push back. You know, the darkness that's around us. Come on, you can't just look at the darkness and it disappear. You've got to speak to the darkness in your world. In Jesus' name. See, see our mouths can be filled with negativity and limitation. But God wants to fill our mouth with the language of promise. You know, in fact, the proverb says a godly person's words are a life-giving fountain. And, and for us to be a people of promise, number one, we've got to call it as God sees it. We've got to call it as God sees it. And that's where he says to Ezekiel, come on, prophesy. prophesy. And, and what, what he's doing is, is like just speak it out as, as, as I see it. See, see, what prophecy is, is prophecy is bringing God's viewpoint to the world. I'm in a valley of dry bones, but that's not God's viewpoint on the situation. God sees an army in those dry bones. Come on, I, I wonder what you see in the situations you're in. Whether you just see the dry bones or you see an army. Because God by, uh, wants you to see an army and then He wants you to prophesy it. You know, the, the spies... They went out. Ten of them just were calling it as they saw it. But two of them, Caleb and Joshua, called it as God saw it. And those two entered the promised land. The rest died in the wilderness. See, unless you're prepared to speak it out, you know, you could end up just being in the wilderness for the rest of your life. How many know referees can get it wrong in sports games? They often get it wrong. And that's why today we have... The, the third umpire. That's why, you know, we go upstairs to get another point of view. Some of us right now need to go upstairs. Except just not upstairs to a box. We need to go upstairs to heaven. Come on, and we need to get another perspective on what's going on in our life and what God wants to do in the next year. 
Come on, God, God wants to do something crazy in 2020. In fact, the verse I have for 2020, it comes from Ephesians chapter 3, verse 19. It talks about that the love of God goes beyond our understanding. And Paul says, you know, I pray that you be filled with the fullness of Christ. I love that. That you be filled with the fullness of Christ. You know, God's big. You know, if you ever try to put a big something big inside something small, it's almost impossible. You know, God's big and putting him inside of you. How many know there's gonna, something's going to spill out? Something's going to leak. And, and, and here Paul's saying, I pray that you be filled with the fullness of Christ. Yeah, that's what I'm praying for next year, that we'll be full and overflowing in Jesus' name. And then verse 20, a well-known verse says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we could ask or think. He's able to do that, you know, according to what the power that works within us. That's what God wants to do. It works in us. To Him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. What a great verse that is. we, We don't need to just hear that verse. Some of us need to speak that out. 2020, God, you're going to do exceedingly, abundantly. Come on, in Revolution Youth. Come on, in our West Hub, in our East Hub, in our Far East Hub, in our Central Hub. Come on, He's going to do exceedingly, abundantly. Come on, in our university ministry, in our 3.30 service. Come on, He's going to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ask or think in our families. Come on, if you believe it, let's give God a big clap of praise right now. Now, I've highlighted this before, but Genesis chapter one is the creation story. And I just want you to take note of something in, in verse three and four. It says, then God said, let there be light and there was light. And God saw the light and that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. Now listen to this. God called the light day, and He called the darkness, and the darkness He called night. So there was evening and morning on the first day. God, what did He do? He spoke the world into being. You know, I really believe we need to learn to speak our dream into being. But listen to this. He called the light day, and he called the darkness night. What do you call the darkness in your life? You know, those times where you feel alone. Those times where you can't see. In darkness you can't see. What, what do you call the, the darkness? I like, he called the darkness night. How many know night has a beginning and an end? He, he called something that could look permanent as something that was temporary. Come on, weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning time. Right now, you may be going through a difficult time, but you need to call that difficult time night. Yeah, I may be in it, but it's not gonna last because it may endure for a night, but God's gonna bring me out of it and joy is gonna come in the morning. Yeah, in fact, 1 Peter chapter two talks us that he calls us out of darkness. Some of us have been in a dark place for too long and God wants to call you out of darkness and He wants to call you into His glorious light. But you've got to call it as God sees it. Yeah. 
other people say, well, you just got to live with it. No, you don't. There's some things that we accept that we're not meant to accept. You know, when it comes to the kingdom of God, how many know the kingdom of God is always advancing? You know, I will never tolerate a stationary, static church. Come on, Jesus said He will build His church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And, and yeah, we may be stationary in moments, but we're going forward in Jesus' Name. God, He wants to do exceedingly, abundantly, above, above all that we could ask or think. 40, country, uh, 40 locations. No, maybe it will be 40 countries. Uh, 40 locations in 10 different countries. Do you know New Zealand is small? I go to other places in the world and on the maps there, New Zealand's not even on the map. And I'm saying, they go, where are you from? And, and, and I go down here and they go, oh, Australia. I go, shut up. <laughs> you know, who would have thought from New Zealand we could have an impact on the world? Yeah, New Zealand, a nation of what, 4.5 million people? You know, approaching the 5 million mark. We're planting a church in Sao Paulo. It's got 20 million. It's five times, oh no, do my math, four times the size of our whole country. Do you you know, it's it's just like, but from New Zealand. Come on, because God's got a plan for this nation. God's got a plan for this church. We may have more sheep than we've got people, but the people in this nation are filled with the power of God. They've been filled with the fullness of Christ. And because of that, nothing's too difficult for them in Jesus' name. Number two, if we're people of promise, number two is we've got to let God define us. Now, you've got to understand, an angel was sent to name Jesus because Mary never understood, fully understood, couldn't name him because she never fully understood his destiny. In the Bible, God had to change the names of certain people so that they could walk in what God had for them. If we look at Jacob, Jacob's name means schemer or supplanter or trickster or con man. And for many years, that's what he was called. And so what did he live out? He lived out that very thing. He was a trickster, he was a con man. But it was until he got in a wrestling match with God and he said to God, God, I'm not gonna let you go until you bless me, that he found out who he really was. See, it's until you and I encounter Jesus, have an encounter with God, we'll never know who we truly are. And in that encounter moment, God changes His name from con man to Israel, which means prince. Here's the deal. You could be a prince and not even know it. You may look like a frog. (laughs) No, just kidding. (laughs) Uh, But you could be a prince and a princess and not even know it. Until you have an encounter with God. Here, here, everybody else was calling him something that he wasn't. And only an encounter with God will reveal your true destiny. You know, when the enemy starts naming your past, you need to tell the devil, tell him, haven't you heard that person died? That person died a long time ago and I'm not who he, he was and I, I, I didn't do what he did. You know, I, I love the fact that we don't need to be labeled by our past. Come on, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. If anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. Old things have... Come on, I need you to speak it out. Old things have... 
passed away and behold, all things have become. Come on, all things have become. Come on, that's exciting right there. And, and I love the fact that God calls us something even when we aren't. You know, God called Abraham, Abraham while he was still Abram. Abram means exalted father. Abraham means father of many nations. But God called Abram, Abraham, when he had no kids. Pretty crazy to call somebody who's got no kids father of many nations. But that's what God did. And, and as a result of that, you know, his destiny lined up with what God called him. You know, Simon, he, he changed the name of Simon, which means reed, blown in the wind. And he changed his name to Peter, which means Petros, which means rock. You know, and God will call you according to, to your destiny. And it's so important that, that we look at the things around us. And it's like, like Abraham, Father Abraham, had many sons, had many sons, said Father Abraham. He's the father of faith. You know, it, it, it talks about in Romans chapter 4 that, that he called it. He called things as though they were, even though they weren't. That sounds strange. But you've got to say what you've heard to see what you've said. Come on, that's the nature of faith. When it comes to your small group, the small group's going to grow in Jesus' name. We're going to see salvations this year. Come on, we're going to see a harvest. You've got, you got to call it as though it is. Even in reality, where it may not be. Okay, last one is, if you're people of promise, you need to learn to shut your mouth. So we need to learn to open it and speak the right things out, but we need to learn when to shut it. You know, our parents, every parent probably taught us, you know, if you've got nothing nice to say, if you haven't got anything nice to say, don't say it at all. You know, Proverbs 17, which is a classic proverb, it says, even fools are thought wise when they keep silent. You know, you can see somebody sometimes, man, they look really onto it, and then they open their mouth. And you go, oh, maybe they're not as onto it as I thought they were. You know, it, it goes on and it says, with their mouth shut, they seem intelligent. That's it. But, you know, how many know God, God, there was times where God told the Israelites to shut their mouth? When it came to going into the promised land, Jericho was the first city that they were to take. And God had a crazy strategy. The strategy was they were to march around it six times, and then on the seventh time they were to shout, and the walls would come down. But God instructed them, and He said, hey, when you're marching around, keep your mouth shut. Now, why was that necessary? Because God understood that the power of life and death is in the tongue. And He didn't want them messing up His plan. You know, I'm sure, you know, on the third time round, you know, somebody would have said, why are we doing this? Whose crazy idea was this? Marching around a wall and, and we shout and it's going to come down. That's never happened before. Yeah, yeah, ah, you know, what's, what's Joshua on? Did he really hear from God? Did, did he really have an encounter with God? You know, how many right there? That, that complaining could have ruined the whole plan. In fact, it was the complaining that, 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 that left a generation. It was the complaining of a generation that caused them to die in the wilderness. You know, coming into the end of the year, is, is our language full of promise or is it a, a complaint? 
Yeah, and, and here, you know, they said, come on, we want you to shut your mouth. Sometimes if we won't shut our mouth, God will do it for us. In fact, God did that with Zacharias and, and Luke uh, in Luke chapter 1, uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth haven't been able to conceive. But, but let's read verse 13. It says, But the angel said to him, Don't be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer is heard. Now, this is, this is a cool phrase because what it's really saying is, the prayer that you no longer pray has been answered. The prayer, in other words, the prayer that you used to pray but you gave up on, hey, that's finally hit heaven. And God's about to answer it. It's been heard, and it says, and your wife will bear a son, and you should call his name John. Yeah, that's got to be of encouragement to you. Yeah, the prayer that you prayed 20 years ago, but you lost hope, that's hit heaven, and God's about to do something with it. Come on, that's exciting. Because what this angel is saying is, now is your appointed time. This is your time. And Zacharias, get this, this was his response. How shall I know this? He's got an angel standing in front of him. Come on, if you had an angel standing in front of you telling you something, you, you'd believe it. And then he goes, he goes, yeah, how will I know this? I am an old man and my, my wife is advanced in age. That's a PC way of saying she's old too. And, and he's going, how will I know this? And then Gabriel just says, I am Gabriel. It's like, that should have been enough. And because he didn't believe in that moment, the angel shut his mouth. Why would have God done that? Because again, God didn't want his speech to have any effect on the outcome. God didn't want Zacharias ruining, ruining the plan he had in place. Come on, don't give voice to your doubts. We all have doubts. There's always moments we have questions, but don't give voice to your doubts and your unbelief. Some people say, well, I'm just being real. No, you're not. You're being negative. Yeah, and so many people excuse negativity. and Oh, well, I'm just being real. I'm just saying it as it is. Well, you know, what God says is, is more important than what you say. And, and, and I'm going to line my mouth with what God says. And what he did in this situation is he shut Zacharias' mouth and he hid Elizabeth away. And he hid her away for five months. Why five months? Because at the five-month mark, you can tell somebody's pregnant. You know, she began to show. You know, up to that point, it would be difficult for her to explain you know, to her friends. Again, she's old and she's pregnant. You know, going to her friends, you know, going, hey, you wouldn't believe it, but I'm pregnant. They go, well, yeah, right. But when she's showing, they're going, oh, maybe you are. And do you know, God will sometimes hide you away until the evidence is overwhelmingly in your favor. So nobody can speak against what God's put in your heart. Come on, there's a good word right there. Come on, what you've got to understand, sometimes when you feel hidden, that's actually God's blessing on your life because He's protecting the dream that He's placed in your heart. Because you don't understand, words have creative power. And that's why it's so important that we get around people who can come in an agreement with our dream. You know, that's what church is. Come on, we're going to change this city in Jesus' Name. As people who can come into agreement with the Word of God, with the promise of God. God's got great promises for this city. God's got great promises for this nation. And we're going to see a revival in our lifetime. 
come on, God's about to break open and do something that we've never seen before. It's been good so far, but you haven't seen anything yet in Jesus' Name. Come on, our young people, I know we crashed through the thousand barrier. You know, at an uprising, 1,138, with 403 people giving their hearts to Jesus. I reckon there's got to come a time where we're running uprisings in the Spark Arena. Come on, our God deserves the biggest crowd. Come on, the loudest applause. Come on, that's our God. Our God is deserving. Come on, it's Thanksgiving Sunday. It's Thanksgiving Sunday. God's been good, He's been faithful, but He hasn't stopped. He's leading us forward in Jesus' Name. See, you've got to understand, the wrong use of a rudder will cause a ship to be shipwrecked. The wrong use of your tongue will take you to places that you don't want to go. Sarcasm can be a big part of New Zealand culture. But sometimes in our sarcasm, we're actually destroying what God wants to release. I believe God's saying, come on, I want you to be a people of promise. And your promise, where is it? It's in your mouth. Your destiny is in your mouth. In fact, you know, 15 times in the New Testament, wherever the Holy Spirit came and filled people, the evidence was in them speaking and speaking a new language. I believe God wants to fill people with a new language. And you've got to understand our words prophesy our future. What are you saying about your future right now? What are you saying about your family? What are you saying about your health, about your finances? You gotta understand life is found in your mouth. Salvation is in your mouth. The fulfilment of God's promises is in your mouth. Who you're becoming is in your mouth. The direction you're going in, it's in your mouth. This is a weapon. It's a weapon against the enemy. It's a weapon against faith, against doubt. And it has the power to release faith.